Greetings, everyone. My name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Monday, May 15, 2023 at Asia Markets Close. And welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. Today, I'm going to go in-depth and talk about why the Turkish elections matter um, from this weekend to global markets. Um, specifically with regards to the Turkish lira and its impact potential on markets. Because likely, you know, most of you are probably very aware that there's been an election in Turkey, um, but don't really, either don't care or don't really, you know, see how there's any potential market impact from Turkey or the lira onto your own portfolio or markets that you do care about, right? So this episode is going to be dedicated to that because there is indeed potential connection um, and direct tie into assets markets that you do care about. They held their elections on Sunday. Results came out before Asia markets opened on Monday. And the results were that basically Turkey is going to now hold a runoff vote on May 28th because neither President Erdogan nor his opposition candidate secured you know the enough votes um, to to surpass the 50 percent in order to win this first round. Right, President Erdogan had just under 50 percent. Um, his opponent had about 45 percent, but was closing in that kind of that gap between the two of them. Okay, so. Now that we still have kind of indecision from what the Turkish uh, election results were, what happened in markets on the back of this? So first, let's just take a look at you know Turkish markets and Turkish-related assets. So the equity market at um, at market open for Turkey hit minus six percent down on the index immediately um, on open, and that basically triggered a circuit circuit breaker at the open. And then trading resumed and, you know, kind of pared back some of its losses, but still a pretty swift uh, downward uh, move in the Turkish index led by bank stocks. Turkish bonds sold off. Turkey's sovereign CDS surged. Um, and yet, despite all that, the currency, okay, the Turkish lira, remains remarkably common still throughout all of this, um, at least as of this recording. Okay, because USDTRY or dollar lira, it's been trading in about a half percent intraday range, and that you can go by measuring from today's open to current, as well as including, you know, going off of from Friday's close to current. Dollar lira is up what half a percent as of current, um, with a low print of nineteen point five four on the day and a high print of nineteen point six eight. Uh, though once again, it's obvi- obviously that's subject to change, given that the high end of the range of the day is currently being printed at the time of this recording. Uh, but other than the lira, Turkish markets cross asset very volatile today, right? As as they should be, because they're very volatile because they're reflecting the election results or non-results, right? Of of either one of the two, right? Of either because the result uncertainty itself, right, in the form of not getting results and therefore you know a runoff election and this still being an open matter or number two because you know potential eventual non-erdogan loss or an erdogan win that would thereby imply um that current abnormal and unorthodox economic policy framework from turkey would remain unchanged and so therefore that would call for a reversal in the sharp move last week leading into the elections okay so in the last you know back half of of last week heading into the elections 
I guess there might have been market expectations for um, an upset for for Erdogan to to lose. Um, and on the back of that, you saw you know the index, the BISC 100, up about 12% in the last two days of, of last week. Um, again, led by bank stocks. And therefore, today, the index being down minus 6% on market open with the circuit breaker triggered and the bank stocks down as much as 10%, that's just giving back that you know end of week, last week, uh, rally. Just to kind of bring things back down to where they where they used to be, not necessarily a a full out you know uh, decline, but just kind of to to normalize from where they were pre- um, you know very recently previously. But the dead flat stability of the Turkish lira, the currency, okay, especially given the volatility in the other asset markets, that sticks out like a sore thumb, um, and this absolute calmness in the lira, that's thanks to state intervention into forex markets to support the lira so turkey's intervention into fx markets is a it's nothing new uh b it's not like a conspiracy theory that this is happening it is a very like openly conducted and a known thing okay despite the lira not having like an official usd peg like the chinese yuan or what have you um number three FX intervention doesn't necessarily mean only direct market intervention or direct market activity, okay? Like, i.e., like, state officials, central bank using FX reserves, selling USD, buying TRY, buying Lira, right? Um, It doesn't mean only that. Like, uh, FX intervention could come in many forms in Turkey. It It could be in the form of banning or making it extremely difficult for foreigners or for uh, you know, Turkish citizens to to borrow and sell short the lira. Um, it can mean uh, you know, kind of outright but informal capital controls that kind of behavior, right? And then everything else in between to different forms and different degrees and all that, right? Um, and this is very important to note because a lot of people look at like Turkey's dwindling FX reserves as a measure of the CBRT, the Central Bank Republic of Turkey. The CBRT's capacity to like engage in FX interventions and do they have enough firepower to even do so, right? And while, of course, the amount of the central bank's assets and uh, reserves is certainly a factor, the CBRT isn't limited by only direct interventions to affect, you know, lira support in markets. Um, often, lira market support comes via action from the state banks rather than via the the central bank directly. And other times, it's some some regulatory measure. Right. Um, but it, it, again, it comes in all sorts of forms. Right. For example, the, here's a very recent example from an article in Bloomberg in which they cite that the central bank um, as the, quote, ultimate matchmaker okay, of, of like Lira traders. Note that it's not market maker, but it's a matchmaker um, in Lira buying and selling activity. Um, and it says that traders are exacerbated by constant supervision and intervention. Right. So it says, quote, If you're looking to buy a lot of dollars in the Turkish market, expect to explain yourself. The Turkish Central Bank has so tightened its grip over the foreign exchange market in the run-up to May's presidential election that it's become the matchmaker for most large transactions, according to several traders who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Nearly every trade larger than a few million dollars is subject to scrutiny and approval, they said. The traders describe 
a central bank that's constantly on the phone with banks that tracks and vets prices as soon as bids appear on trading platforms and demands detailed reports on currency operations. In essence, matchmakers from the central bank are largely determining who to who sells to whom and at what rate. Uh, the central bank declined to comment, obviously. Now, here's the thing about the lira and its like state-directed price drivers. This supporting of the lira isn't just like a battle with market forces, but rather, uh, this is very unique to Turkey, but it's also a battle with, you know, another one of its own top-down state-directed forces. Um, in other words, its own official rate policy framework is what it's also at odds with the current, you know, supporting the, the, the currency market. Okay. By which I mean President Erdogan's very own personal monetary views that are being put into effect. So if you want to truly see what zero central bank independence looks like, don't look at the Fed or the Bank of Japan or whatever. Okay. Look at Turkey over the last few years. Um, by which, you know, this is by far the most oddball, unorthodox central bank behavior in the world, far more so than the Japanese. Hence, the Turkish lira being the only currency with worse performance than the yen in 2022, as well as many other years. But 2022 was especially bad for the yen, um, and it would have been the worst if not for the Turkish lira. So here's a very quick, non-comprehensive rundown of the CBRT, the central bank, and President Erdogan, just for those who might not know. First of all, President Erdogan, you need to understand, he despises high interest rates. And great, who doesn't, right? What, a, what elected official doesn't? But here, here's where he differs. Erdogan has a completely opposite understanding of basic textbook macroeconomics, in which he believes that high interest rates cause inflation. Okay, they don't combat inflation, according to Erdogan, but high interest rates cause inflation. He also doesn't seem to understand, or rather refuses to believe, that the currency's strength or weakness is also directionally correlated with interest rates. So this completely backwards misunderstanding or refusal of acknowledging basic laws of macroeconomics over the last several years, particularly from 2020 onwards, because of that, we've seen inflation in Turkey rising sharply. We've seen the central bank cutting rates in response. And then we're also seeing the, the Turkish lira's value just getting absolutely hammered. Um, in other words, a, a precipitous rise in USD TRY, EUR TRY, and, and so on. Okay, um, Which then therefore leads to further domestic inflation, it's like almost bordering on hyperinflation um, and continued lira weakening and then thus even further central bank rate cuts in a vicious circle like over and over. And of course Erdogan, you know, he doesn't want these sort of results like inflation and the currency getting destroyed. The thing is that those things though, they, they could be at least somewhat combated if only he had adopted conventional orthodox like central bank logic. If there's inflation, raise interest rates do not cut them if there's capital flight out of your ever worthless currency raise interest rates do not cut them but erdogan insists that higher interest rates or the lifting of rates is the devil 
like he actually has religious justification belief behind lowering rates or not raising interest rates. Um, and he has been firing one central bank head after another of his own appointees, of his own chosen chosen appointees, um, because they have the impossible task of having to cut rates while capping inflation and then also keeping the lira afloat. Okay, so that's the kind of very general background of Erdogan's central bank. And it really is his central bank, because as I mentioned, um, and as I constantly refer to him as, he's like he's the head of HR at the CBRT. It's his policy. It's not anyone else's. Um, not even those at the central bank during their very short temporary tenures, respectively, because he ultimately dictates the policy. If they don't comply, he finds someone who will until they no longer do or until the results don't get what he impossibly wants. So let's take a look at the lira um, and Turkey's inflation rate and the CBRT policy rate during President Erdogan's tenure, especially over the last few years. All right, so let's just start with the lira, this chart of the lira. Um, and again, the lira is quoted as USD TRY as standard quote you know quotation so when that goes up that's the lira weakening and vice versa much like usd jpy um so although erdogan's like akp party they've been in power since the early 2000s erdogan himself has been turkey's prime minister from 2003 to 2014 um you know during that time dollar lira remained fairly steady right um throughout that period at around you know two and change on usd try uh, until his first term presidency began in 2014, okay? And then under President Erdogan, dollar lira went from around two, two and change, to currently just under 20. I don't care how you slice it or who or what's to blame. That is an utter and complete destruction of the currency's value over that short of amount of time. And no, it's not the USD side of the pair that's strengthening against it either that's at fault. Because if you look at gold priced in lira, gold was at 2,800 lira in 2014, and currently it's just under 40,000 lira today for a 1,300% increase in the value of gold measured in lira over the past decade in under his presidency. In fact, if you look at gold priced in lira uh, and also USD TRY, which is the US dollar priced in lira, there are stretches of time in which gold in lira and dollar lira move together percent for percent. In other words, from the lira's perspective over these periods, the fleeing of the lira for the U.S. dollar is literally as good as gold. Um, and why has this perpetual fleeing out of the lira been happening? Well, as I just mentioned, inflation and backwards rate policy feeding into one another. So here's Turkey's headline inflation rate as per the official Turkish government statistics for which few people actually believe them but let, even if you just use the government figures they're stunning like yes th that's an 80 handle on cpi okay like if you think that eight percent cpi in the u.s and the uk and europe wherever is bad and granted it is bad right but imagine your cost of living crisis being worse by tenfold or far worse that's life in turkey Okay, so inflation spikes from 10% to 20% to 80% since 2020. And so what is the CBRT rate policy response? Cut interest rates. 
So in 2020, CBRT basically cuts rates from 25% down to 8%. And yes, 25% was their policy rate, uh, but they cut it down to 8%. And over that time, dollar lira goes from under 6 to above 8.5 for then record high on dollar lira or therefore a record low for the lira. Um, it's about a 50% move higher in dollar lira within a few months. Uh, and that's what happens when you cut rates by minus 1,700 basis points. Then the CBRT starts hiking rates from the eight handle and nearly back to 20% at the end of 2020 to start of 2021, which, surprise, surprise, got the runaway dollar lira back under control from its 8.5 highs and actually moved back down to just under seven uh, over those few months. But then Erdogan the head of HR at CBRT, he fires that guy for our hiking rates, um, despite, you know, restoring at least some of the currency value and capping CPI. Um, and instead he, you know, installs a rate a rate cutter at the head of the CBRT. And then down rate, rates went once again to, to now being sub 10% back into single digits again currently. But you can see here in kind of this red box area that Erdogan's you know, twisted view of macroeconomics 101 reality and enforcement of it, this wasn't actually always the case. Before that, right, earlier in the chart, like at the 2018 Lira crisis, um, rates were hiked very sharply and that arrested CPI and that also brought dollar Lira back under control um, in 2018. Uh, it was really in the most recent years, like from really from 2020 onwards, in which this like so-called unorthodox economic policy really, really took hold. If you look at dollar lira over the back end of Erdogan's presidency to current, there have been three separate lira crises, right? Um, though I suppose it could be just one big one in three chapters thus far, however you want to look at it, right? But personally for me, I've been personally watching, studying, analyzing, even trading off of these Lira moves um, and policy behavior and actions since 2018, um, or maybe even before that. And so because I was like involved throughout all this, I actually do have a fairly good grasp um, of these last few years of the Lira um, and its price action and its behavior and what's causing it simply based on just reflecting back on my personal experiences, okay? But nonetheless, this is how I kind of divide them into like three divisions of, of Lira crises, separate crises. And so what I'm going to do is just run through the most recent two of these three crises that you see on this chart here, okay? So 2020 and then late 2021. Those are the most recent uh, two out of these three boxes. Um, I'm going to just run through those and to show you what the broader market impact was at that time, which you may have missed. And as those of you out there who have been, you know, my earliest followers know, you know, like well before like the Bank of Japan took center stage from the beginning of 2022, like my reputation, I suppose, was largely based on the Lira, understanding it and it's, way overlooked cross-asset impact and then trading it accordingly. That's kind of really what uh, my reputation was until Bank of Japan started to, to come around. So first, the 2020 era, which again, my earliest followers might find this to be nostalgic, but in March 2020, as we all know, basically every market in, the, in every asset class everywhere just crashed. 
Okay, and then in April 2020, that reversed and began a vicious upward rally. Everything rally. Stocks, bonds, commodities, certain FX pairs, real estate, whatever. And this was due to global central banks blasting fire hoses of QE into markets and so on and so forth. Okay, but during this like post-March 2020 crash and then the subsequent everything rally in 2020, during that time period... There were two assets or two tickers, if you will, that didn't participate in the everything upside. And rather, they just remained dead flat as everything else was blew past it unconditionally upwards from around May 2020 until around August of 2020. And those two dead flat standstill things were one, the Turkish lira and two, spot Bitcoin. This is something that I first noticed um, and flagged and subsequently became known for, this Turkish lira to Bitcoin relationship. Do you know what got spot BTC to explode higher in the back half of 2020? And look, there's no one thing, okay? Pick any of your favorite go-to reasons. I'm sure they're all correct. But do you know what had a major and majorly overlooked to this very day role in catalyzing the upside momentum in spot BTC in the summer of 2020? It was the lira, or rather the Turkish citizens fleeing the lira and rushing into other assets, one of which was BTC. Okay, so well before 2020, Turkey was actually very early in advance in Bitcoin adoption culturally. So they were already very well familiarized with Bitcoin, with like, you know, crypto um, they had trading platforms and all of that or, you know, already established within Turkey um, and had even had allocated to and been, you know, far more familiar with it than its sort of, you know, EU area neighboring peers. Um, in fact, they already had a previous stint in 2018 in which they fled a sharply depreciating lira. Um, and some of that flight found its way into BTC back in even as early as 2018. But... Um, in the first half of 2020, markets in mayhem, right? Dollar lira moved sharply higher. In other words, lira moved sharply lower. Then the CBRT, the central bank, um, they conducted FX interventions that put a lid on dollar lira upside or a floor on the lira. Um, and they kept the lira unnaturally and artificially stable amidst the global everything rally that was taking place at that exact moment, right? Um, and then if you look at Bitcoin's post-March 2020 crash and then April rally alongside everything, Bitcoin also just suddenly stopped rallying and topped out in May at basically the exact time that USDTRY also just suddenly stopped. And this was because a significant amount of that BTC inflow and rallying right up until that point in May had been largely due to BTC TRY, in other, in other words, Bitcoin Lira based, right? Turkey based uh, inflows into Bitcoin. And when that flight from the Lira stopped in May of 2020, the flight into BTC did as well, and then they both just sat there in place as everything else continued to go upwards. Everything else is in every other asset globally in the world. 
Then, towards the end of July 2020, the CBRT once again lost control of the lira. Dollar lira made um, you know a big jump higher. This time, breaking clear through the seven handle on USDTRY to a new record new uh, level. And just as that was happening, we saw BTC break out in tandem. Now, note that this is also, you know, significant level for spot BTC price in USD. In other words, this is when BTC USD went through the 10K level. But for that flat nothingness prior to, BTC USD had been wavering above and below that 10K USD, you know, spot level, right? So it's not like 10K USD on BTC USD was a hard resistance in and of itself, right? So although clearing through that level, clear through it, yeah, that that did bring on some follow-on momentum, but, you know, breaking through and and printing 10K on BTC itself wasn't necessarily a catalyst because it had been doing that through for many months prior to, um, you know, that end of July period. Let me be absolutely clear. Bitcoin is a global asset class. That means that there is never, ever a single loan driver of price action. Therefore, I am not saying that the Turks drove BTC TRY up on a 6x rally into year-end 2020 alone. Of course, I'm not saying that. Of course, that would be ridiculous for anybody to say that there was one single region or whatever it was that did it alone. Of course, there was all of the global excess liquidity and whatever other reason, as I mentioned, all of which contributed to upside in Bitcoin in the back half of 2020. But I'm talking about the trigger catalyst, okay? The thing that awakened most, if not all of the other major catalysts, and all of the other, like, the, the, the sideline bulls to shake, you know, shake awake and, and to take actual market action in July of 2020. You know, what was that trigger catalyst that re- that awakened everything? It was the lira, okay? Central bank liquidity and government stimulus checks had already gone out for months prior. Equity markets had been rallying for months already in response, okay? And Bitcoin spot was just sitting put. For months upon months, people were waiting for it to break out. And once it did, they dove in for whatever reason that they wanted to do it, right? So what broke Bitcoin out of range and, you know, turned the snowball into an avalanche? It was a a sudden, sharp re-devaluation in the lira that sent millions of Turkish citizens to rush for the exits out of their sovereign currency that's in a new meltdown phase and into anything else and Bitcoin was one of those anything else's. Take a look at this chart of BTC TRY versus BTC USD. Okay. Now you can see that moment in late July when dollar lira broke out again into the seven handle. You could see that the, there's like this sudden volume that rushed into BTC TRY and thereby catalyzed BTC USD and BTC JPY and BTC KRW and so on and all the other BTC crosses. Um, and you can also see that BTC's appreciation differential um, when bought in BTC TRY versus BTC USD, right? You can see that like gap opening up. That reflects the lira meltdown against the dollar, and thereby that reflects that BTC TRY wasn't so much a, you know, 
pro-Bitcoin long thing as it was a rushing the hell out of TRY sell thing, selling of the Lira, exiting the Lira. So that's the Lira impact on Bitcoin in 2020. Now, what else in 2020 with regards to Lira? Gold. Basically, same exact reasons as Bitcoin. Um, it's not really to buy gold, but to run the hell out of the Lira in Meltdown and gold as the safe haven recipient of the fleeing, the refugee flows, if you will. This is something that um, I kept very close track of every single day during this time um, and during which I was trading gold actively and directionally. For Bitcoin, I use the Lira as an indicator to actually finally build like my, my first serious sized holding um, in of Bitcoin in the summer of 2020. And so I used the Lira price action and watching uh, that correlation with spot Bitcoin as my, my timing for when to, to do that. But for gold, um, I was making like speculative directional active trades with futures, with call spreads and so on um, using the Lira price action as an indicator. Okay. So do you know what took gold from around 1500 to blast well through the previous record highs of 19 or whatever the hell it was and then well through the 2000 level and beyond that was Turks fleeing the lira and going into gold and do you know why that then all time uh, high top ticking gold was put in specifically on Friday August 7th of 2020 that was because on Thursday August 6th 2020 the CBRT had basically enacted this sort of backdoor tightening, if you will, right? Um, as a way to basically tighten policy without actually hiking rates themselves and thereby not pissing off Erdogan, but with a directionally similar monetary effect of tightening, right? That happened on a Thursday evening. I could still remember it very vividly. That's when I got out of all of my long gold exposure um, trades and I flipped to being actively directionally short gold. And from that very moment forward, gold immediately began to crash on and then on you know on August 11th three trading days after the CBRT's backdoor tightening gold fell about 6% in a single day intraday um, and it lost its 2000 handle price level and it's now trading in the 19s and then gold price eventually gave all that back in the near term it settled back into like the 1800ish area the reason that that previous all-time high gold price and then the 2000 level for gold USD, the reason that those weren't any sort of like actual price levels of resistance at the time for price action was because it wasn't dollar-denominated buy flow driven. It was people who priced things in TRY, in Lira, um, who were driving the price. Um, same thing with BTC, right? So July 27th, 2020, Gold in USD had a plus two percent day, and held above its you know nineteen hundred level that had had just broken through the previous week. Uh, on that same day, on July twenty seventh of twenty twenty, BTC USD had a plus fifteen percent day. Um, this is because it went from a nine thousand handle to ending the day with an eleven k handle, but. On that very same day, on July 27th, 2020, BTC TRY had broken out from under 70K to almost hitting into 80K within one day. And what started all of that? USD TRY, dollar lira, 
which had been completely and artificially suppressed and dead flat since, you know, early June of 2020, um, as the CBRT had been heavily intervening in the FX markets to keep the lira standstill at around 6.85, almost as if it were like pegged there to the USD at that level of 6.85. The CBRT had kept the lira there basically every single day consecutively for the for two months straight, right? Until July 27, 2020. That's when dollar lira printed seven for just a moment, but it was enough to basically lose faith in the central bank's ability to hold the lira still. And that was enough to trigger another wave of outflows by millions of Tur- Turks dumping the lira and then moving dollar lira prices from seven to 8.5 a 23% gain the dollar against the lira as well as an exact 23% mirroring gain in gold against the lira and a 73% gain in BTC TRY that happened over the next 3 months this is just your classic rush out of fiat currency in meltdown and into fixed supply assets for haven preservation of value that's what happened in 2020 stimulus checks that we Westerners enjoyed that found their ways into like Bitcoin and NASDAQ call options and whatnot. Yes, those are powerful drivers. FOMO is an incredibly powerful force. In fact, it's the most powerful force in markets with the exception of one other force. The only force more powerful than FOMO in markets is a panic rush for the exits at any cost for the sake of survival. That's what the Lira did to these assets in 2020. Okay. And then the subsequently that awakened the follow-on FOMO. But initially, it wasn't a flow into bullish gold, bullish BDC, or anything like that. It was a panic exit scramble for the exit doors out of the Lira that found its refugee ways into these other assets. Okay, so that's the significance of the Turkish Lira, by which I mean the asset flows from which those exposed to the Turkish Lira um, and its direct impact on these select global assets in 2020. Okay, what about December of 2021? Completely different scenario, but still an example to illustrate, um, you know, a global cross-asset move from the lira, okay? Now, this was the week of Christmas in December 2021, when suddenly we saw a V-shaped global cross-asset risk-on rally in markets, and one that went completely unexplained, and for that matter, still goes unexplained, and is obviously forgotten about at this, at this point. Um, and by unexplained, uh, what I mean is I'm including any and all of the then like nonsense generalities that always come when people have no idea, no answers or any explanation for market moves, but and are just talking for the sake of it, right? Things like valuations got cheap or expensive, or like sentiment on the Fed or inflation got too tilted in one direction or another, and the markets like had enough, like very just general nonsense answers when trying to explain a sudden v-shaped directional market whipsaw trend reversal like event that happened like global stock bond currency commodity investors did did they all suddenly wake up and decide together that markets are too high or too low relative to whatever you know broader macro environment and then they subsequently all acted in you know coordination and re- reversing some prevailing trend at the exact same moment f- which there's no catalyst news or anything like that like that's what i i can't stand when the, like there's like the non explain explanation explainers out there okay here's my explanation of what i believe happened to markets 
in the week of Christmas 2021, and I don't really care um, if this is something that is correct or not, because first of all, it's obviously the past, um, and second of all, it's not like I had 100% conviction that this is exactly what happened still to this day. However, it is an explanation that far surpasses any of the other non-explanations and nonsense that was being discussed at the time as to what happened in markets, specifically in markets, why it happened, when it happened, okay? So, in my view, it is very possible that what happened in on the week of Christmas 2021, this was triggered by a historically volatile directional reversal in the Turkish lira that was due to a massive intervention by the central bank of Turkey. And that then triggered two types of market participants to take market action in other asset classes. Okay. This is, by the way, so this is the third of those three lira crises that I mentioned. Okay. So here's the setup. Most of calendar 2021, lira was sort of range bound. Okay. That was until around November of 2021. In November of 2021, that's when the CBRT once again began cutting rates and USD TROI started breaking out again to all-time highs at the time. And in a matter of weeks, maybe less than a month, dollar lira went from around 8 to 10, then from 10 to like 14. And then in the span of, I don't know, five or six trading days, the like dollar lira began to seriously rally or the lira began to seriously crash and collapse up to 18 in a very short amount of time okay we're talking like one to five percent or more intraday moves day after day after day this was truly crisis time for you know turks who were watching their livelihoods just dissipate before their eyes every day they woke up and had like less purchasing power materially less purchasing power than they had when they went to sleep um, so then on December 20th, the CBRT orchestrated a massive FX intervention and short squeezed the living daylights out of Lira short sellers. And that caused about a 50% rally in the Lira over maybe a 30 hour window of time. Okay. A 50% reversal rally in like an actual real country's currency is insane. Um, but that's what happened. Lira's realized volatility volatility at that time was double that of Bitcoin's realized volatility. Okay, so if you're wondering like who would buy like volatile asset like the, like Bitcoin, well, if your base currency that your fiat currency that you're starting off with is the lira, which has twice the realized volatility of Bitcoin, then getting into that has cut your currency volatility in half. But this move, this is what triggered a global cross-asset market reversal, in my view. Okay, so here are some charts from then. Okay, because I had a whole video about this. I, you know, this is all out there on public record. You could look at, you could watch it if you want. But these are these are the charts from then. Okay, so first of all, this is dollar lira from then that I've, you know, dug up. You can see the runaway momentum of dollar up, lira down, um, and then the CBRT's intervention and 50% smack down of dollar selling cliff dive move, right? So basically what I did is I took that chart and I just inverted it so that when you see the white line going down, that's lira down and white line up, that's lira going up directionally, okay? Now, I overlaid various other charts on top as follows. First, 
That's spot BTC on top of this inverted dollar lira chart. Okay, spot BTC is falling. Then suddenly, suddenly there's a V reversal upwards, and that happens right at the exact moment as the lira does so. Okay, here are SPX E minis against the lira. Same exact thing. And then here is the lira against Russell 2000 futures, which are even more so correlated, um, highly correlated than than the S&P E-minis are. And this is Japan Nikkei 225 index. And remember this one, because I'm going to get back to it. But for now, just note how lockstep the price action is, particularly after this reversal point of the lira and the Nikkei. Okay, so that's the lira and global DM equity indices and risk assets in the form of BTC. I mean, they, you know, I didn't draw them by hand. That's what happened in markets. Now, here's the same dollar lira inverse and crude oil futures for a commodities angle. And then onto rates. Here's the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, which is also reversing at that exact point. And then finally, just from volatility standpoint, here is the VIX index. And for this, I just use the regular USD TRY chart, chart, so it's not inverted. If I zoom out even further, you could actually see the VIX actually takes a leg higher right when the lira starts its massive move. You know, and, and then they they really correlated at that meltdown moment. Um, but that basically is suggesting that equity market implied volatility is increasing with lira's meltdown trend. Okay. So what the hell? First of all, as I said, this is not definitive. It's just a guess, but nonetheless, it's an angle of analysis that was completely absent from the broader commentary at the time. Um, and even if it's not at all the lira, all of those charts show that these cross assets did indeed V-reverse at the exact same moment either way, right? And so one of these assets led the charge, and I believe it was the lira that did so to all the others. Okay, and here's why. First of all, it's the week of Christmas. That means that not only are institutional managers not actively trading in markets, but it's the end of the calendar year. So institutional investors have largely closed out their books for the year and have gotten their bonuses or whatever, right? Like who on the buy side is actively opening new longs now on the week of Christmas or, you know, or then. Okay, so what that means is that a bigger percentage of intraday market activity at that moment can be attributed to two types of flows, systematic algos and retail, okay? In the absence of the institutional uh, investor who is just skiing or, or doing whatever, okay? Systematic algos and retail flows. Systematic algos are ones that, A, they never shut off, holidays or not, and B, they cross-correlate assets, okay? They're the glue that binds price movements across asset classes. Typically, you know, CTAs and systematic trend-following strategies that trade futures and all that, right? And so the absence of institutional, um, active institutional investors for the week of Christmas, that gives systematics more visible market impact, an actual market impact. Okay, so that's, you know, one type of uh, investor flows that are more present. The second one being retail. By retail, I mean primarily Japanese retail in particular. Japanese retail, as you know from my previous videos in market depth, are massive forces in markets, okay? And the short-term speculative traders are very aggressive and they're very levered up. 
Um, and Japan also doesn't really celebrate Christmas holidays. Like Japan markets are even open on the 25th on Christmas Day. Okay, so Japan retail really doesn't care that it's Christmas holidays. It's just another week of trading markets. So again, absent institutional activity, Japan retail flows specifically from Japan, um, and their activities are more pronounced, just like the systematic algos are. And then lastly, here's a tie-in with specifically Japan retail. So remember that Lira versus Nikkei chart in particular, and how much more that was correlated relative to the other markets versus Lira. There's a reason for that. One of the biggest active market participants in trading the Turkish Lira is Japan FX traders, Japan foreign exchange traders. They have been for many years. They trade the TRY-JPY cross, the Lira-Yen cross, for two main reasons. One, they trade swaps, right? And they trade swaps for points, um, and those exist because of the massive like nominal rate spread between JPY rates at zero and Turkish rates that are, what, 10, 20% higher, right? Massive yield spread. And then two, Japan retail frequently tends to trade against the grain. They buy into sell-offs. They short into rallies, um, as Takakato had mentioned in a recent interview. Also, initial margin and maintenance margin on TRYJPY is actually fairly low. Um, it's fractions of what it is dollar yen on most platforms. Japan retail is very active in forex trading, which is generally speaking, right? And sometimes, you know, they'll have a net directional bias to be long or short this or that, right? Uh, something like, let's say, dollar yen is usually more or less split, you know, 50% long, 50-50 long and short, right? Obviously, they can and do crowd one way or another. But when it comes to TRY, JPY, Lira, Yen, Japan retail is almost unanimously long the Lira and short the Yen. And like always, right? Okay, so... This is basically a, a graphic of net buys and sells as a ratio on a daily basis. This is from Gaitame.com data. Um, and you could see that overwhelmingly positioning is net long buying TRY, JPY to the tune of about 95% buys and versus 5% sells. Mostly it stays within like a single digit percentage in, in sells and you know well over 90% in buys. Um, and also know that this is basically how it always looks like going back years and years and years, despite TRYJPY going only one direction down, you know, which against the majority of these long TRYJPY positions doesn't seem to deter them, deter them at all. Um, but so this is a screenshot from the net positioning, uh, data from that December, 2021 era. And then here, you could actually see that like as the Lira really started melting down on momentum leading into December 2021, Japan retail positioning on TRY, JPY actually started to become less one-sided. Um, of course, they were still by and large net long, like, you know, 80, 20 long, but that 20% short is actually a huge difference compared to the historic single digit percent shorts, right? That's That's a... Big, big shift, meaning a good chunk of the levered Japan retail traders for once actually started shorting Lira, TRY, JPY, you know, alongside trend momentum to a historic short ratio 
And of all times, they did so right at the worst possible time because this was the positioning leading right into when the Turkish Central Bank was about to smack Lira 50% higher in the course of 30 hours, okay? And when that happened, that caused a massive margin call on Japan retail who were short TRY, JPY, that 20%. If you're 10 or 25x levered short TRY, JPY and get smacked 50% against you, you need to make margin call immediately and you need to come up with a lot of liquidity. And so what do you do? You liquidate other positions in other markets that you have to cover anything, right? And so what else does Japan retail, especially those who trade Turkish Lira typically also trade? Well, they tend to also do things like, um, you know, trade levered inverse Nikkei index ETFs, as well as S&P, as well as momentum trend follow markets sometimes uh, with like crude oil uh, futures or ETFs, as well as like short Bitcoin in a downtrend and kind of day trades or shorter term tra trades or, or what have you, right? And so a major Lira margin call forced Japan retail to exit their other open positions immediately. And that means by covering Nikkei shorts or closing inverse levered Nikkei ETF positions as well as other open trades. And hence the correlated reversal in cross asset price action at that very moment that happened, that, that happened to the Lira. Again, it's Christmas. Very few out there are trading at all, or let alone trading actively, um, other than active Lira traders. Okay, and what do a major co cohort of these Lira traders cross hold? They hold other macro assets in other markets on leverage. Okay, and so the systematic trend following flows that I just mentioned, you know, before, that's kind of the glue between you know cross assets from a futures perspective as i mentioned right so they'll you know the trend following systematic flows will uh directionally trade the you know yen futures u.s treasury futures and so on, on on momentum so they kind of glue everything together um from what would be kind of large and liquid listed cme futures assets but japan retail is the glue between the turkish lira of relatively obscure currency pair and other larger markets okay so that's how those two tie in that's how the lira becomes enmeshed with the rest of larger uh, more commonly traded assets like S&P e-mini futures and so on and so forth okay so that's what happened in uh December of 2021 that was the latest lira crisis that we saw so fast forward to today Okay, with this election outcome out of Turkey. So there's two things I want to say. First of all, Turkish assets all crumbled except for the currency because authorities are intervening to support it. It's very obvious. You can just see it in the price non-action given how dead and range-bound it is when it absolutely should not be, right? Second thing is going into this weekend's election um, in Turkey. Japan retail positioning was back to being basically unanimously net long TRY, JPY. Okay? And actually, so much so that I even personally got a notification 
from my own online brokerage, SPI, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, online trading platform, um, securities trading platform in for you know Japan retail. Um, I, I kind of had to translate this. As a, this is written in Japanese, but basically what it says, the gist of it is, this is a notice sent to all customers who have FX trading accounts as of May 11th, Thursday. Presidential and parliamentary parliamentary elections will be held in Turkey on Sunday, May 14th, and the results are expected to be known by the morning of Monday, May 15th, Japan time. According to several media reports, the presidential election between the incumbent Mr. Erdogan and the opposite candidate is reportedly very close, and depending on the outcome of the election, the Turkish lira may experience sharp price fluctuations. In the event that no candidate receives a majority of votes in the presidential election to be held on Sunday the 14th, a runoff vote will be held between the, t- the top two candidates on Sunday the 28th. And then there's this. In the event that we are unable to receive a stable lira-yen price quote from our partners, and if it is difficult to determine the prevailing exchange rate, we will not start trading the lira-yen cross rate at 7 a.m. market open, and we will open the market after the market has stabilized. Almost kind of like um like a GME Robin Hood moment, like that they're kind of warning of, right? Because SBI is not going to stop global forex trading markets from happening. They're just saying that we're not going to allow you to trade or our customers to trade, um, if there's too much volatility. Um, and we will open, we will allow for trading to to resume uh, on the platform when we determine so, despite what's happening in the actual broader for, uh, FX markets. Um, and then they're talking about if there is a delayed open, there still might be problems with stop orders that markets may fall far below stop loss levels, which may result in losses in excess of deposited margin. Limit orders may be subject to losses in excess of de- deposited margin, um, even if the open rate is more favorable than the order rate. Now, at market open, that kind of scenario of like a delayed market open by SBI, that didn't happen. But first of all, the very fact that they sent this out to everybody and talking about this, what would be an obscure, you know, EM uh, currency cross rate to non-FX trading uh, customers as well. The fact that they sent it out to everybody says how broadly Japan retail has long Lira exposure directly. Um, and at market open this morning, when election results came in as a runoff election, as they had basically, you know, you know, gave a heads up as to what might happen, we actually did see some initial market on open volatility in TRY JPY, um, and the lira hitting, you know, new record low levels against major uh, currency pairs. And what else did we see in markets in the last two trading days? We saw increased volume in. In like the double leveraged inverse Nikkei ETFs that were getting sold. In other words, position exiting out of double levered inverse Nikkei ETFs. And these levered inverse ETFs, when they get sold, that pushes Nikkei index futures higher and therefore the index higher. So I think that in addition to foreign inflows for uh, into Japan equities as of late, we might also be getting upside contribution on the Nikkei index or Japan index from domestic Japan retail short covering 
Nikkei and therefore, you know, thereby helping it push higher recently. Furthermore, if this runoff election at the end of May in Turkey results in lira volatility that forces Japan levered retail to further liquidate short Nikkei positions, and if that also happens to coincide with the Nikkei right at the 30k resistance, we might actually get a domestic retail-led push through Nikkei 30,000 level, and that would then kick off a follow-on rally in Japan equities off of a Turkey election, okay? Or not. Either way, I wanted to show you how the lira mattered previously to broader markets that you actually do care about um, in previous instances, and then how it might this time, okay? And this time, the difference is that in the, the other two times, especially in you know mid-2020, I use that as that correlation of the lira and things like BTC or, or gold as something that I was actively you know using as an indicator to trade um, and get in and out of positions with, right? Um, this time there isn't such a, I don't have such a clear cut sort of thing as, as I did then. So there isn't as pronounced of, you know, kind of a market leading indicator or so there isn't as much market implication this time around. However, another potential scenario I was thinking of that might relate to the Lira and how it might impact other global markets in this current setup is that if this recent run up, let's say in gold prices, that we're seeing, right? Or even BTC for that matter, right? But if perhaps some of these, like this upside um, in these non-fiat assets as of late, uh, these safe havens, I guess, from, from fiat, if this is happening as dollar lira nears 20, it's hitting new all-time highs. If those are kind of happening in conjunction with one another yet again, in other words, Turks are fleeing the lira again getting into USD, gold, Bitcoin, and so on, right? And therefore contributing to upside on all of those. If that is the case, then it's possible that we might see a bit of a pullback or even a crash in gold and BDC on an Erdogan loss result, if it should come to that, right? Basically reversing all of the hedging that was happening leading into uh, the result thinking that there's going to be a continued Erdogan. And if there's not a continued Erdogan, there's going to be, you know, his opposition party that is campaigning on more sound, normal, return to normal uh, economic policies and so on and so forth, then you might actually see, um, you know, potential selling out. of. Okay, so that's about it for me. I know that this is very long, um, but I want to explain how, why the Lira and why this Turkish election does actually matter, um, despite it being on head, you know front page headlines everywhere. You might be wondering, well, what the hell does it matter to your, my portfolio? Well, it actually might. Um, and I showed you how it previously had, whether or not you were aware of it uh, before. So this is still an open matter. We, the, the Turkish elections are not yet over. Um, and we'll just keep an eye on those developments as well. And keep an, also keep an eye on how things, uh, particularly things like the lira and things like gold price action and maybe even Bitcoin price action and the Nikkei index um, as well as maybe potentially other indices as well, but specifically the Nikkei and things that Japan retail are exposed to. See how those are behaving with developments as we get into this end of May, you know, runoff election 
um, with President Erdogan um, and his opposition, um, let alone the sort of outcomes of that um, and what might come of that. Okay. Okay. So that's it for me. Thank you for watching yet another episode of Market Depth on behalf of Blockworks Macro. My name is Wes Nakamura. Thank you very much. We'll see you again soon. Thanks.